Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. All right. Well, if you want to, you can turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 15, verse 11 is where we'll start. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Have you ever lost hope? Have you ever ended up in the pig pen? Now, we may have ended up there on our own doing, like this young man, by choices he made. Or we may have ended up in a situation where we cannot see any hope out by just circumstances of life, by different things happening, and we find ourselves in a place where we have no hope. I remember when I was younger, I got saved around 16, and uh, I, I didn't have a father much in my life. He, he came and went, and I remember getting saved, and I went into this local church, and for me, the pastor of the church became like a father figure that I never had, and it was amazing to have someone in my life that was a male authority figure that could lead me and, and guide me and, and give me guidance, and I looked up to this man so much, and I ended up having the privilege to be the youth pastor at that church, and um, I loved it. It, it, was, it was my passion. It was my call in life. I dedicated every waking minute, if you knew me back then, to hanging out with young people, to meeting young people, to just talking to young people, to going to schools, like whatever it took to connect with the young kids of that community, and I did it for many years, and I had the, the privilege of, of, of running a youth ministry or a little youth group that had like 30 kids that met and we played games, and we imparted in their life, and it sort of came to the end, and they grew up, and they got to that age where they left, and I was like, I can't do that again. I need to run a youth ministry. I can't run a youth group. I need to run a youth ministry, so I shifted it, and we, we um, imported some people from Hillsong, aka Sal Ravella, and uh, we changed it up, and we started something called Amplified Youth, and our whole mission and our whole heart was to see kids saved and to see kids set free. We went, we had like uh, the most honor and privilege in my life. We went from six kids and we went out to the local skate park and we just did a free barbecue and we gave out sausages and we gave out cans of drinks. I would cook the barbecue and Sal would talk to kids. And I would pack up the barbecue and Sal would still be talking to kids. <laughs> and then that following Friday, we had two kids rock up. It was literally like, yes. So now we had eight kids at youth. Come on. 
And I was like, guys, everything's just like, everything is about those two kids. Let's can worship, let's can this, who cares? Like, just make sure they have the best night of their life. The following, le- the following week, they turned up with 60 kids. So we went from six kids to 60 kids in one week. And then the following week, we had 100 kids. And then by the end of the month, we had 200 kids coming on a Friday night. And we had kids swearing, fighting, hiding in the back drinking, whatever it was, because they were off the street. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the nice, clean Bible and how to live your life. But man, we were doing ministry. We had 10 leaders and 200 kids, and we were having lots of fun. And I can tell you, I was in my element. I knew who I was in God. I was a youth pastor. I had identity. I knew where I was going and what I was doing. This was my call. We went to a Hillsong event, and they stood us up and were like, you should hear what's happening in Ingeni. Man, like, mind-blowing situation in life. I was like only 20. And then I got fired. Because the church didn't like the fact that there was drinking and swearing and fighting. Because they wanted their church kids to come along and be safe. Now, it's not about the whys in the house. It's about the fact that we lose hope in life sometimes. I went to youth one week. Went to church, so Friday night youth, Sunday church, get called into a meeting after church, and a piece of paper slid across the table that said, we no longer want you serving in our youth. And I left. I lost everything. All my friends, everything I'd sewed into, Tell you the truth, my identity, I was a youth pastor. What was I without that? That's all I did. I worked part-time at GJ's, Glory Jeans, just to make money because all I did was youth. And then the following Friday, I had to stand at the gate. Oh, a couple of Fridays, rather. I had to stand at the gate because they decided they would no longer run the amplified youth. And I had to stand at the gate and tell every kid that youth wasn't on. And the parents that came, I had to tell them that we were no longer having youth. And I still had to honor the church because I didn't want to hurt the church because those parents and those kids didn't have a relationship with God fully yet, didn't know the church yet. They couldn't carry the weight of me bagging out the church. I needed them to still love the church. And I can tell you that was one of the hardest nights of my life. So I know what it is to have no hope. Because the months afterwards, I remember sitting in my room and feeling at most hopelessness. Where would I go? What would I do? Who would I be? That was my only father figure I've ever had, and he fired me. But you know, God is so much bigger. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy And you know that verse is actually, Jesus is talking about his sheep know his voice and that he's the gates and we go into his pasture. And it's actually talking about the devil jumping over the gates and coming into Jesus's pasture and trying to steal his sheep. So he's actually talking to the Christians, the ones that have the relationship with him, the ones in the middle, the ones who are connected with him. The devil wants to steal from you. He wants to kill things in you. 
and he wants to destroy you. See, he comes to steal our love. He comes to kill our hope, and he comes to destroy our faith. Because, you know, Jesus says, um, it's not Jesus, it's in one of the other books. Someone says it. That these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Out of all the gifts, it's probably Paul, he's talking about all the spiritual gifts, whether you can speak in tongues, whether you can see someone get healed, whether you can do amazing gifts you can see in the future, you can prophesy, it doesn't matter if all of that was taken away. These three things should remain in your faith, in your walk, faith, hope, and love. So what is the devil going to come after? He's going to come after the three things. He's not going to come after your miracles. He's not going to come after your healings. He's not going to come after your great gifts. He's going to come after your love. He's going to come after your hope. And he's going to come after your faith. And you know, it says faith is being sure of what we hope for. I cannot have faith if I do not have hope. How can I be sure of what I hope for if I've lost my hope? And certain of what I do not see. I want to talk today on three things. I want to touch on why the devil tries to steal, how he tries to steal, and what we can do about it. How he comes to kill and what we can do about it and how he comes to destroy. And I'm gonna finish today giving you an opportunity to fight a battle because we're in a war after our soul, after our relationship and our connection with our king, with our God in heaven. He wants us to walk away. He wants us to turn our back and we have a battle that we are fighting. And that's not only with God, because some of us here today, if we were honest and we weren't putting on a show and not hiding behind things, we would honestly say, I've lost hope in God. Where are you? How long are you going to forsake me? Where are you right now, God? I can't see you. I can't feel you. How could you not be here right now in this moment? I can tell you honestly, when I left that church, when I got fired, man, I yelled at God. How dare you? How could you turn your back on those children, on those youth? How could you allow this to happen? So some of us have lost hope in God. But some of us have lost hope in our dreams, in our passions. You know, we all have a dream in life. We all have a passion, a direction where we know we're going. That dream that God has given you, but yet you've lost hope that it could ever come to pass. How could I ever go to church again? How could I ever serve in his kingdom again? I was called to lead and and to gather people and to preach his word, but yet here I am fired by the very church that I wanted to serve. I lost hope in my very dream that God had given me, in my very passion. Some of us lose hope in our family. You've lost hope in your family. You can't see a way out. You can't see how your kids are going to come back home. You can't see how they're going to turn away from the path that they've walked on. You've lost hope in your very own family. Or some of us, 
have lost hope in our marriage. You can't see how you could ever live with that person for one more minute. How could I live with her for one more minute? There's no hope here. Or him. Not just to pick on us, on the women. Or you've lost hope in work. You turn up every week and it just sucks the living life out of you. There's just no hope. There's no hope that this could turn around. There's no hope that I could ever get a better job or that this could ever be better. I've completely and utterly lost hope. And then the last one. You've lost hope in yourself. You can't even see any hope in yourself. Why would I even stay here? What hope is there? Let me tell you, in each and every one of those situations, the devil's lying. That there is a greater hope than you've ever known. And you will come out the other end. You will come out the other end. I stand here today. I'm one of the pastors of this church. I'm preaching his word because there is hope. There is always a light at the other end of the tunnel. And you know, his word says that I will use all things for my good. You know, if I never got fired, if I never left that place, if I never left that youth group, I would have never met my wife. I would have never had my child. I would have never gotten married. I would have never bought a house. I would never got the jobs that I got and the career that I've had and met the people that I've met and become the man that I am today if he hadn't have allowed that to happen. But we can't give up. There is always hope at the other end. So if you've lost hope today, I come to share some good news. The first one is, the devil comes to steal your love. He wants to steal your love. He doesn't want you to love him. He just wants to take your love off Christ, take your love off God, take your love off your wife, take your love off your passions, your dreams. He wants to take that love and transfer it onto something else. Because as long as your eyes and your heart are on something else, then he's winning. Because if we don't have that love in place, that's where we get lost. You know, Israel, I'll give you the verse, don't turn there, I'm just going to read it. And please don't put it on the screen, because then they'll read what I'm reading wrong, and they'll see how bad I am at reading. (laughs) In Jeremiah 2, he talks, he says, the word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt 
or led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and its rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance desirable, distasteful, 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 (laughs) whatever. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the Lord did not know. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring this charge against you, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Why do I say that? Because their love shifted. See, the devil stole their love and their worship and their adoration. They forgot who brought them out of Egypt. They forgot who walked them through the desert. They forgot who was the one that delivered them. They forgot that they were more, they had more purpose, they had more destiny, and yet they turned and looked at all the other nations and said, we want what they have. We want a king. We want what they have. We want this. We want that. We want their gods. They can see their gods. They're tangible. They're there. They can bow down to them. They can make offerings to them. We want what they have. They shifted their love and they forgot who brought them out. And they went and dug their own wells that were dry and leaking when they had the well of living God right there. And he's saying, what are you doing? And you know what? We do the exact same thing. Whether it's with God, we turn to worthless idols, things that we think will fill the need in our life. When things get tough or a little dry or a little hard, we don't turn to God. We turn to porn or we turn to drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever it is you feel that need with. We turn from God and worthless idols that we think will fill our need. And then we wonder in a year or two why we sit with no hope. Because the thing you've been running to will never give you hope. It will never fill you. It will never sustain you. God is the only one that can fill us. He is the only one that can sustain us. I love how it says at the beginning, you were like this beautiful bride. We wonder why our marriages fall apart, because we forget the one we loved. You know, I was at Josiah's wedding the other day, and I was the best man. I was lucky to be the best man, and I was standing down at the end, and it's always amazing when you watch the groom, watch the bride walk down. And I had, I, my wife was the matron of honor, so it sort of felt like I was at like my wedding again because I was standing at the end. She came around the corner. She was all dolled up, and she walked down, and it just hit me. Oh, my gosh, my wife is beautiful. <laughs> Baby number two. But, oh, my gosh, how stunning you are, how amazing you are. And it just reminded me of how I felt that day I got married, how much I idolized her, I loved her. She could do no wrong. (laughs) But the day before, boy, did she do wrong. (laughs) But why is that? Because I forgot that love that I had at that moment, and I've allowed other things to fill, come in and distract, that I think, oh, that could be better, or this could be better, and you forget the very one you loved. If your marriage has no hope, then start loving again. Start loving your wife. Start loving your husband. 
Give them the honor they re- they're due. Give them the respect they're due. Give them the love that you had on that day you married them. Because let me tell you, you didn't marry them if you didn't like them. I think on that day, you must have seen something in them. Then don't forget it. When the devil comes to steal your love, remember your love. That's what we need to do. Remember the love that we have. Remember the love we have for God. Remember the love he gave us, that he chose you, even whilst you were sinning, lost and turning your back on him. He found you out and he called you and he loved you. Remember that. Because let me tell you, porn is never going to find you and say, I love you. Or alcohol or whatever it is. Even money isn't going to turn around one day and say, I love you. I died for you. God did. I had two points in point one. (laughs) The second one was, I'm just going to paraphrase. The second one was Peter. You know how he, he says to Jesus, I would never disown you. And then he three times, he disowns Jesus. And, and the fear of man, the fear of people, all of that pressure and the situation makes him turn his back on Jesus and says, no, no, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. And then we find that Jesus says to him earlier on, he says, I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. You're no longer just going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a fisherman of men. See, when we lose our love, we lose our direction, we lose our focus, and we can lose our calling. And we just fall back to what we did before. See, so we find Peter back out fishing. Because what else did he have? Once he lost his love with Jesus, once he lost his connection there, he lost his purpose. And the only thing he knew other than going out and discipling people was fishing. So he went back fishing. And the reason I bring this one up is because my point is remember the love. Remember the love. So what does Jesus do in this situation? When Peter's gone back to where he came from, he's feeling disconnected and hurt. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter. Do you love me? Lord, that hurts. You know I love you. But what is Jesus trying to do? It's not Jesus is needy. I need to know that you love me. Did you ever think of it that way? No? Jesus is such a needy person. He asked three times, do you love me? Come on, just reassure me. No. He's trying to show Peter something. He's trying to show him, remember, it's me that you love. It's not man. It's not that. It's not the fear of death. It's nothing else. It's me. And when your eyes are on me, then it doesn't matter. You can be who you are called to be. And he goes back to being a fisherman of men. Because Jesus goes, go and feed my sheep. See, he's reminding him, who do you love? It's me. So the first point is, if the devil's trying to steal your love, remember, who you love. Remember that love. Remember the reason why. No matter what he brings to try and steal it, remember the reason why. The second one, he comes to kill our hope. He wants to kill your hope. He doesn't want you hoping for a future. He takes out your love, so now he's going to take out your, your hope. 
in 1 Kings, there's the story of Elijah when he comes to the widow. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there would be no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zephyrath in the Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. See, isn't it interesting? This widow had a purpose, like a God-ordained purpose. She was called to supply food for the prophet of the nation. Wow, wouldn't you love to be called to provide food for the kingdom, like for God's kingdom, you know what I mean? Like she had a massive purpose on her life, but she just didn't know it. So he went, uh, sorry, so he went to there, to the town gate, and a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and for my son that we may eat and die. There is a woman with no hope. The devil has killed her hope. I'm going to make a cake, eat it, and die. But yet on the flip side, we know that God has a massive purpose for her life. And then Elijah says, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Don't you love that? The prophet goes, you've just told them I'm going to go kill them. I'm going to go die. And the prophet goes, yeah, that's great. Don't be afraid. Go do that. <laughs> but first, make a small cake of bread for me. What you have and bring it to me. And bring it to me. This just died. Hello? The battery's flat. Sorry. All right. Thanks, Leon. Um... The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord had spoken to Elijah. So we find her with no hope, with no way out. And, and Elijah says to her, now go and make the cake and just know that that jug and that, that jug of Oil and the jug of flour will never run dry. Now she had a choice. So we're going to remember love and we're going to choose hope. Because she had a choice to go home and do as the prophet had said. She could have gone home and made her own bread first and ate it and done what she was originally planning. Or she could make his cake first. And she chose hope. Have to choose hope. So in our marriage, we have to choose hope. 
You could see all the things that are wrong and that there's no way out or that this is too hard or, or it's too far gone. Or you can choose hope and you can see the good things. You can choose to outlive hope. You can choose to go and actually scrape from the bottom of the jar every single day. Just keep scraping, keep scraping. See, he never said the jar will miraculously fill up so you can see the full contents of the jar and know that I've provided. No, 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 no. Every morning you're going to scrape the bottom of the jar and choose hope on a daily basis. So every day I'm going to scrape the bottom of the jar and choose hope in my marriage, in my work, in my relationship with God. Whatever situation it is, if I feel that it's dry, I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to scrape the bottom again and then I'll scrape the bottom again until the day comes when the rain falls because that day will come because the prophet said the day will come that the rain will fall and your marriage will reignite and you won't need to scrape the bottom any longer so we will choose hope the other one I had down for this one was the woman in adultery There the teachers of the laws and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this to trick him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground. And when they kept questioning him, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped back down on the ground. At this, those who had heard, had heard began to walk away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life, uh, live your life of sin. <laughs> Go now and leave your life of sin. That could be a dangerous one, isn't it? <laughs> Neither do I. Hey, sorry. That's, we're going to, we don't have time to joke. You know, there was one person there that was sinless and had the right con- to condemn. There was one person who could throw the stone. And we know that that was Jesus. But he says to her, neither do I condemn you. See, sometimes we feel like we could end up in the pig pen because of some of our own doing. That that pig pen's actually our pig pen. It's the one we run to. It's the one we hide in. It's the one we, we seek out when we're, when we're lost and, and hurting. And I think this woman was in her pig pen. She, she had lost hope. Whether she was the one committing adultery and had lost hope in her marriage, or whether she was the single woman committing adultery because she had no hope in herself to wait till marriage. So she was trying to fill that need in that pig pen. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you for being in the pig pen. See, he finds us in the pig pen, but he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't condemn you for being there. He actually says, it's okay. I understand. I know you're there. But just choose 
go and sin no more. Leave this life of sin. Now you've met hope. Don't go back. Choose hope. So when the devil comes to kill your hope, when it's hard, we're going to choose hope. It's an action. It's a doing word. I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose to stop doing that. I'm going to choose to walk away from that. I'm going to choose to believe this because I'm going to choose hope. He comes to destroy your faith. I'm going to look at the story of Lazarus when he dies. And he comes to the two sisters. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, she still had hope. She still loved Jesus. She still had hope. But her faith was crumbling. See, if you had been here, if you had been here. And Jesus, Jesus weeps. Because this is real to him. He feels your pain. He feels the hurt. In those moments in life where we lose faith, I'm not certain of what I hope for because it's shaken. It's crumbling. I don't understand, Jesus. Why weren't you here? Why weren't you here? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the Savior. See, when your faith is attacked, we need to speak. We need to speak. Jesus speaks to the situation and declares the truth. He speaks faith back into the situation. We could choose to speak despair. We could choose to speak disbelief. We could speak over our marriage and say there is no hope. There's no way this would ever work out or my dream would ever come to pass. No. Or we could speak faith. No. God has a future for me. He knows my past. He's written it out. I can speak faith over the situation. You know, John the Baptist... He baptized Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He saw a dove come from heaven. He heard the voice declare, this is my son. And we pick up the story. He's in jail. And he's losing faith. He sends his disciples and says, go and ask Jesus if he actually is the one. He knew he was the one. He declared it. He passed the way. He had the way open for Jesus to come. He baptized him. He knew. Have you ever been in that situation where you lose faith? We know he is the one, but yet we question if he is. Where are you, God, right now? How is this happening? How is this, how is this like this? He says to his disciples, go and ask Jesus if he is the one. They come up to Jesus and they ask him. 
And Jesus says to them, go and tell him what you hear and what you see. Blind eyes are being opened, the deaf are being raised. All these things are happening. See, Jesus says, now go and speak what you see happening. So when your faith is being rocked, when the devil comes to destroy the faith that you have, in whatever situation of life, you need to speak faith to that situation. We need to remember the love. We need to choose hope. And we need to speak faith in the hard times of life. You know, we're all in different situations. We've all been through different things. We're going to take a moment now to do a battle, to fight for our love, for our hope, for our faith. And you know, there's the story when Elijah's surrounded by a big army. And his servant comes out and goes, Master, what are we going to do? We're completely surrounded. The whole hilltop is surrounded. And he says, Lord, open my servant's eyes. Open his eyes to see that which is actually at play. See, sometimes when we're in a hopeless situation, we can't see the other side that's at play. So his eyes are opened and he sees the chariots of fire outnumber the enemy. They surround them. Do you know we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who cheer us on, who say, stick it out. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. You know, you are surrounded by an army that is on your side. For greater is he who is with us than those who are against us. So today we will fight for the faith. We will fight to have hope in a hopeless situation. So we're going to stand up. We're going to sing a song that declares no matter what, even though I'm surrounded, I know you are for me. And if this spoke to you today, if you're fighting, if you're losing hope, love or faith, then come down the front and fight because we fight in worship. It focuses our eyes back on our King. It focuses from the natural to the supernatural. So today is your day to break free, to fight for your very situation that you are facing. And if that's not you, then you fight in your chair for the ones who need fighting. We fight on the behalf of others. Thank you. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.